Hi everyone, welcome to Around the World in 80s Movies. My name is Vince Leo, I'm the author of the film review website Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews. You can read at Quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. I include films of the 1980s there, as well as films of today, films of nearly a century ago, and all things in between. Check that out when you can, and also... The Quipster Film Review Podcast is the companion podcast to this where I cover brand new movies that are out in theaters or on Netflix or on VOD or someplace else like that. Just do a search for Quipster wherever you're listening to this right now and you'll find it. Just remember that Quipster is spelled with a W instead of a U. Today I'm going to be continuing on with this three-part series looking at hip-hop films of the 1980s. And of course, since we had Wild Style and Crush Groove, we're going to go into a film that kind of combines a little bit of both, even though Crush Groove came later. It is called Beat Street. It's a film that came out in 1984. It's produced by Harry Belafonte. It's a PG-rated film. It does have language and some violence. The runtime is an hour and 45 minutes. The cast includes Guy Davis, Ray Don Chong, Jean Chardier, Leon W. Grant, Robert Taylor, And a whole lot of cameo appearances from well-known people, especially if you follow hip-hop. You have Jazzy J and Dougie Fresh and Bernard Fowler, Melly Mel and the Furious Five, Africa Bambata, Cool Herc, Brenda K-Star, Kumo D, of course, he's part of the Treacherous Three who are also in the film. Stan Lathan is the director. The screenplay is credited to Andy Davis, also known as Andrew Davis, David Gilbert, and Paul Golding. Now, as I mentioned Harry Belafonte did produce this film. He was known primarily as a singer and an actor, but also an activist. And he wanted to create this commercialized slice of life drama. It stars Guy Davis as Kenny Kirkland, also known as Double K. He's a hip-hop DJ in the South Bronx. He has big dreams. And we also follow another guy, played by Jean Chartier, as Ramon, a.k.a. Ramo, which is his artist name. He's a Puerto Rican graffiti artist who would rather tag trains than get a real job. Ray Don Chong, as I mentioned, also in this film, she plays a woman named Tracy. Tracy's an upper-class music student from a college. She's based in Manhattan. She sees something in Kenny's proficiency with turntablism and wants him to assist her with a presentation that she's giving for her college on breakdancing and other forms of art. Just as breakdancing had become a mainstream breakthrough, Beat Street, as a film, had been beaten to the punch in the summer of 1984 by another film called Break In that came out just a month before. It kind of stole its thunder. And that overexposure at the box office of having two similar films seemed to work more in Break In's favor as the one who came first. However, Beat Street is arguably the better of the two films, as it is a little bit harder-edged. It was originally rated R for language. It was downgraded to PG on appeal. And it respects its subject matter more as art than as a passing fad, much in a similar way that a superior predecessor to them both, Wild Style, which I covered in the very previous episode, had done. Much of the subject matter also spins off of the serious documentary on the era called Style Wars, including there's a character in this film called Spit who writes his name over the works of other graffiti artists, essentially ruining them. That's in the vein of a real-life graffiti vandal called Cap MPC, who would write Cap all over the art of others, as you would see in Style Wars. Now, reportedly, the idea for Beat Street came from an in-depth article that was written by Steve Hager that was published back in the Village Voice back in the early 80s. It covered the underground hip-hop scene that was emerging in New York City at that time. The original director attached to Beat Street was Andrew Davis, who gets a screenwriting credit here. 
Davis had creative differences that would force him out eventually under the presumption that Davis was not in tune with the hip-hop culture enough to understand how to properly bring it to the screen in a realistic and respectful fashion. That brought in African-American director Stan Lathan. He was here to write the ship, which was built to be respectful to the people of the South Bronx and of the artists and their passions, especially in one of these rare films with a wide release at the time, to not have a white character in a main lead role. The film doesn't just celebrate street culture. It also showcases the celebration of song and dance from Africa, represented in the project that's put on by Tracy, who is meant to join the different social classes to show that no matter what class you are from, we're all united by a common bond of celebrating a heritage. Nevertheless, as respectful as Beat Street is to hip-hop culture, the delivery here sometimes smacks of romanticized Hollywood interpretations of how the real youth of the South Bronx live, although about the humble roots of hip-hop and b-boyism, the makers of this film have a little bit more grandiose spectacle for its subject matter in mind. It features some manufactured melodramatic elements, Ramon's quest to tag the great white subway car while also dealing with another vandal who's out to destroy his creations. That's a lot of manufactured drama to try to take in if you're going to try to examine this as a realistic take. It ends up culminating a very far-fetched song and breakdance concert featuring Melly Mel and the Furious Five, who had been recently broke up with Grandmaster Flash, and future Rolling Stones backup vocalist Bernard Fowler's gospel chorus entertaining a packed hall of enthused aficionados. Now, to the credit of the film, it does spotlight blight and the dilapidated environs of the South Bronx neighborhoods in which the characters reside. It doesn't really sugarcoat anything in that respect. It also gives you the bleakness of their prospects for getting out of this existence through the art of graffiti or breakdancing. Although some people who have been breakdancers or graffiti artists have come to be appreciated later for their self-taught gifts. It's not necessarily the norm, though. Authenticity is not really there for the graffiti art that's depicted. Most of it was created by professional set designers who emulated real spray can art with airbrushing techniques to try to approximate the look and feel of the street. It doesn't quite come across as boldly as you would find in real life, but the film in its glossy approach, I suppose it's fitting in with all of that. The wardrobe here is also done more by sponsors of the film. Puma was a big sponsor. You also find Kangol products in the film. It's not really based on a lot of the wardrobe that was actually on the streets at the time. However, interestingly enough, Kangol would actually take off as a sought-after line of clothing, especially from hip-hop heads after the popularity of LL Cool J's look. He sported a Kangol very famously a year later. However, for true old-school hip-hop heads, and I count myself among them, I am a big fan of hip-hop of the 1980s. There is still a great deal of nostalgia value in seeing such pioneering acts as Africa Mambada, Grandmaster Melly Mel, who happens to be my all-time favorite rapper, believe it or not, The Treacherous Three, which features Kumo D, which is also one of my favorite rappers, Dougie Fresh is in this film, Jazzy J, all of the rest on the screen performing as no other film had captured before or really ever since. It is also one of those rare films that had two volumes of soundtrack songs released it's often credited as the first American film to do so. They even wanted to release a third volume, although that was scrapped when the second volume did not really perform nearly as well as the first on the Billboard charts. Beat Street also features real-life breakdancing crews like the Rocksteady Crew and the New York City Breakers performing some truly breathtaking dance moves that are never old to watch. I could watch those breakdancing performances through the entire two hours if I had to. This effectively captures the imagination also that is involved in DJing, 
which requires a deep knowledge of music, even if it doesn't really require knowing how to play a particular instrument. Plus, it's also rare to see any form of entertainment actually uphold what most consider blight, which is graffiti, as something that has value and meaning to a culture that is often misunderstood. In the end, maybe it's a little glitzy, maybe it's a little theatrical in its execution to be fully embraced by the hip-hop culture, although it should be noted that the old-school rap acts featured in the film were also glitzy and theatrical at this point before less flamboyant styles came out a little bit later. Run DMC and LL Cool J, their style ended up taking over, bringing it back to a little bit more fundamental level. It really wants to celebrate that hip-hop culture in a very big way, and it spotlights maybe a little too much that kind of commercial and pop R&B acts within its soundtrack as well. However, for the key aspects of the film, it is a worthwhile endeavor to take in Beat Street. It has some great rap music, fantastic breakdancing, and those things mesmerize in ways that gives the entire film a lift whenever it threatens to bog down to TV, movie, caliber, dramatics, as it sometimes does. And beyond all of this, Beat Street, along with Wildstyle, is largely credited as the first exposure to many countries around the world beyond the United States, to hip-hop music and culture. This film really had a breakthrough, especially in places like Germany and Great Britain, who began their own movements for breakdancing and graffiti art and rapping that would take hold not only in Europe, but other parts of the world soon after its release. It was a very influential film, even though at the box office it did not perform as well as I'm sure Harry Belafonte would have liked. So all in all, I'm giving Beat Street three stars out of four. Three stars on my scale means that I do recommend it for people who are interested in this kind of movie. If you are a hip-hop head of any sort who really loves the original style of hip-hop with a lot of social messaging and very danceable beats, I definitely recommend checking out Beat Street for what it captures in that respect. If you love breakdancing and don't mind necessarily that the film is not necessarily giving you an authentic portrayal the way that Wildstyle did at the life of people in the inner city. You can look beyond that and still find Beat Street to be a very enjoyable and thoughtful drama from the mid-1980s. So three stars out of four goes to Beat Street. And that concludes our look at hip-hop films of the 1980s. Not necessarily something I won't revisit anytime soon. In fact, I'm going to kind of continue on with some of my themes here into the next three movies that I'm going to be covering here. I'm going to be starting a new themed trilogy coming up next. And we're going to continue on with a film I mentioned during this review. It is called Style Wars. It'll be the first documentary that I actually review here on Around the World in 80s Movies from 1983, Style Wars. A very influential documentary on its own because it influenced this movie as well as other movies that have come out since. Style Wars, an original hip-hop documentary from 1983. And that's something that's easily available. I think you can watch the entire thing for free on various streaming platforms, whether it's YouTube or Vimeo or something else. You can find this very easily. You can watch it for my review of next week. It's well worth it. It's highly recommended. Check that out, Style Wars, for next week's review. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. If you have any thoughts on the movies I've been reviewing so far or you have any requests on where you want this podcast to go in the future, you can send me a line. You can find my contact information at my website. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. And until next time, thanks, everyone, for joining me on this trip around the world in 80s movies. (laughs) 